The fact that I, Megan McCain, co-host of The View, uh, do, I don't know when or how I will be able to get a vaccine because the rollout for my age range and, and my health is, is so nebulous. I have no idea when and how I can get it. I want to get it. If you call me at 3 o'clock in the morning, I will go any place at any time to get it. I want to be responsible and obviously wait my turn. But this rollout has been a disaster. And I understand, obviously, President Trump can take much of the blame. But now we're in the Biden administration. I, for one, would like something to look forward to and to hope for because if getting the vaccine means that just nothing changes and we have to wait another few years till everyone gets it, 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 it there's already a lot of people not getting it we're already have a pro having a messaging problem getting people to take this vaccine so I, I'm over dr. Fauci I think we need to have more people giving more opinions and I, I honestly quite frankly I think the Biden administration should, should remove him and put someone else in place Congrats on the 20,000, you guys, really. Congratulations. Welcome to That That Don't Kill Me, a podcast about health, illness, and disability by and about the people who live it every day. Mm -hmm. I'm Kendall. I'm Jamie. And uh, this week, we have a really exciting episode for you. We actually talked to a guest. We did an uh, interview again. Yeah, we brought it back. We, we really back. just circa season one, we're, we're bringing in uh, external voices. So just you don't have to just listen to Jamie and I. Bringing back this 2019 trend of talking to other people other people <laughs> talking yes. to other human beings not going an entire day only yes. talking to the dog or something yeah, um, yeah. jamie is that you is that you I talking didn't, to the dog i don't want to say who specifically that is <laughs> some people i understand that's their experience i don't know what that's like oh um, man um so this week we are talking to uh, Atlantic staff writer James Hamblin. Yes. Uh, James wrote a piece in The Atlantic called A Quite Possibly Wonderful Summer. And yeah. uh, it was uh, a wonderful piece to read mm -hmm. because it made us feel like, oh my gosh, there's hope on the horizon. So and we interviewed... Looked, and then I looked up okay. in the little... Uh, fiction symbol was over the top of it. no 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 i'm just kidding. <laughs> no 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 it's no, real it's, it's, it's real. a real article about real stuff we're not here to spread fake news no, jamie it's, it's so. real um uh but no it's like really exciting to uh to hear someone who actually has expertise say that this you know that we're gonna be okay guys and summer could be could be kind of fun um yes. which yeah, i feel addition, like is the vibe kind of fun right that is, that is the vibe that's the vibe we'd like yeah, in addition to being a staff writer, James is a doctor. He's a, a literal MD, so he does know of what he speaks. He's also been like one of the main like voices, uh, one of the main like correct voices in the pandemic the past year. Yeah, he's, he's been right about a lot of things. Yeah, um, since, since and we talk about before, that, and we talk about that <laughs> since even before it was a big thing. So I'm uh, yeah. We'll get Very into excited to have him. Um, but before we get to it, mm -hmm. uh, we gotta we gotta start with a little a little pain rating scale. Yeah, I'd like to start also with. Um, I just want to mention off the bat the biggest story of <laughs> the year uh, that has been you know consuming the news this week. I'm sure everyone knows what I'm talking about. The fact that Megan McCain of The View cannot get a vaccine. <laughs> and therefore, <laughs> therefore, therefore, something Fauci is deeply get, wrong in this Fauci country. And Fauci needs to be fired. Someone's Fauci head, needs to be fired Someone's today. head needs to be so, yeah. for this. Fauci's got to go. Biden's got to go. Yeah. Um, I just want to say, Megan, if you're listening to this. <laughs> Our condolences. You can have my dose. And I'm talking about the one that's already in my arm. If you can get it out, it's yours. Um, no, oh, I just man. I just wanted to mention that. Uh, oh, for sure. I mean, that is Megan. that is hot hot news. Uh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> what you mean? You, Megan McCain, can't buy a vaccine right. because you're, or can't get one because you're so special. Right. <sighs> wow. 
makes me have such little trust all this time in I thought, our yeah. public healthcare system. Same. All this time I thought co-hosts of The View were uh, health officials. I thought they were essential workers. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just me goes too. to show we are not we're not showing proper respect to our talk show hosts. The ladies who, who have the gift of gab. Yeah, I think I think it was uh actually CBS's the talk was prioritized above the view. <laughs> That's were, rude, Jamie. Don't pit tier. them against each other. They were they're in tier two. Don't pit them against each other. The view is in tier three. Um, um that's no. hilarious. Uh, no, but really, Pain how skill. was your how was your week, Jamie? My week was pretty good. Um, I'm, <clears throat> I don't know. It's 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 nice here in the city again. We've gotten a few nice days of weather. Um, so obviously, it feels like winter is over, pandemic is over. Um, it's been it's been so beautiful, just having some sun again. So my week's been good. Um, probably at about. I don't know, two or three. It's, it's chill. Wow. Okay. Yeah. What about We're you? Here. Um, I don't even know. Honestly, I'm like, what? What was this week? I don't know what day it is. Yeah. I feel like I had a lot of work this week. Whew, I'm taking next week off work, so I got to do double the work this week. Mm. Um, you know how it goes. Uh, so I don't know, three or four. Mm-hmm. It was fine. Nothing. Amazing. Had a really great start. Kind of, I don't know, petered out a little bit here and there. But I'm hoping I'm hoping for a quick rise upon now being off of work and and getting to just chill a little bit. So, um, yeah, not too much to report, honestly. I feel like sometimes we have very exciting personal updates. Sometimes we don't. I will say I am uh a week away from my second dose so nice that is exciting and also terrifying (laughs) Mm -hmm. um so i should have news i should have news on that front and maybe this will i don't know maybe i won't be able to do a podcast recording because i'll be sick with a fever yeah no true it's (laughs) that second dose watch gotta see what happens yeah yeah so uh Anyway, I think we should just cut to the interview because it was it was really nice to talk to James and uh, I think you all will really enjoy this. Summertime! I don't practice Santeria. I ain't got no crystal ball. So we have here with us today James Hamblin of The Atlantic. Uh, welcome, James. Um you uh you've been writing quite a lot uh mostly for the past year about COVID, which we'll get into but one of the main reasons we wanted to have you on was to discuss this uh piece you wrote uh last week titled a quite possibly wonderful summer which for lack of a better way of saying it kind of is the article on the case for optimism um at this point or the case for optimism of of summer 2021 um so uh, what you say in the article is that most signs are now pointing to this summer in the U.S. being about as close to normal as we've been throughout the pandemic. Um, and maybe if you could just tell us a little bit about the case for optimism or the case for summer optimism, if that's where it's limited to, as you see it. Sure. Um, yeah, I'm very hesitant to talk about like the end of the pandemic or anything like that, but I think that... Cases are dropping really quickly. Vaccination is ramping up quite a lot. Um, We know that in summer people are able to distance and to open their windows and all those good things. And and I think we need some optimism right now just in terms of, you know, people are very worn out. And if it feels like the recommendation is that indefinitely you need to, you know, live this very weird life that is being recommended... um, it's not sustainable. And so the next the next few months between now and summer are extremely important. And I hope that by focusing that by focusing on an optimistic summer, you know, it will help people to stay vigilant and be really cautious in the next couple months and to do our best 
to promote vaccination. I, I mean, I think a lot of it hinges on how well vaccination goes over. We're approaching a moment where we're going to have more vaccine, you know, where supply will outstrip demand and we'll have people who are in this realm of vaccine hesitancy having an opportunity to get vaccinated and a lot hinges on whether or not they do but i've been optimistic just based on what i've seen about um you know polls and where people stand on on getting vaccinated right now that uh, you know enough people will follow through that cases will fall and state and local regulations are based on number of cases so if mm-hmm. cases continue to fall as they are, you could expect that regulations will lift and then it will be up to us to not, you know, put ourselves in a bad place once again. Is that is that a problem that you see, though, that like if the cases do fall and regulations, local regulations start to lift and people will feel free to move about the, you know, more freely, go to restaurants inside, go to sports games. Is that a concern of yours that that people will just follow local regulations and that that will put us in a bad place? Um, Or is the idea that if numbers are down, that people can abide by those local regulations? Yeah. If you asked me the same question this time last year, Mm -hmm. I would have been really cautious. Like, just because numbers are low in your area does not mean you should behave like normal but we're in a different Mm -hmm. place right now where you have this combination of high-risk populations especially being vaccinated and a lot of natural immunity out there and Mm -hmm. i don't count on natural immunity meaning people who've had covid and recovered i can't count on that like you can't count on being protected if you're in that situation but we know that overall the effect of that does mean that cases are driven down in an area so between the two, I think right now it's actually meaningful when you see cases going down. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not just chance. It is actually probably the result of you know people being legitimately protected. So it's different from a year ago. And um, we need to be cautious always about not uh, getting complacent. I think the pandemic has been defined by this these sort of cycles of complacency and panic and we swing rapidly back and forth between the two and what we actually need is uh to stay kind of in the middle (laughs) and um i i hope we do but i'm actually optimistic about the numbers right now that if we you know gradually continue to do better and better that things will you know you might see a slight uptick in cases you might see things get a little worse but we don't the the capacity does not exist for us to suddenly ever see the sort of horrific wave that we've seen in the past. Right. Um, one thing I want to clarify, uh, at least even just for myself, is you note early on in the piece that previously Dr. Fauci had identified August as when we might reach 70 to 80% um, vaccination and, and possibly even herd immunity. Um, and he's recently sort of moved that up and said, well, maybe May or June, he's when he expects everyone to have, or most people to have access to the vaccine. Um, we've we've seen this kind of difference as the vaccine rollout has been happening. And even as it's improved between, you know, your allowance or your ability to get it or a state saying you can get it and your actual ability to walk into a place and have it put in your arm. Um, do you think that that May or June target is talking about when everyone will be allowed to get it? Or when it might be really easy to just go down to your pharmacy or whatever, no matter who you are, and, you know, move on through the line. At this pace, I think that's when it will be really easy. Mm. As in, mm. if if you, every local CVS or, or you know, community facility should be easy to access, you should be able to walk right in and get it. And that's wow. that's the key period where... I hope you don't see a turn. You know, right now demand is really high because, in part because at least, um, supply is low. And that picture, you know, as with anything, we kind of, we like things that are scarce. We like, you know, fashion sure. trends that are expensive thing, and yeah. things we can't have. Concert and tickets. As soon, yes, exactly. <laughs> but as soon as someone is like, 
oh hey would you please take these concert tickets off my hands you know hey, this like, uh. this jacket is five dollars would you like it you know we suddenly there's an innate sort of aversion or revulsion in that like it's too easy it can't be that good and <laughs> i and I, that's what i hope you know we don't I mean, there'll be some effect of that but i hope it's not um too too great that you that we don't see this radical shift between like right now you have people lining up trying to outside of pharmacies hoping to catch like a spare dose mm-hmm. that would would have other gone, otherwise gone in the trash and then you know in a few months you might see pharmacies with signs that say free covid vaccines and people walking by being like oh maybe i'll do it tomorrow right um I, yeah that's the the kind of shift i'm worried about and i i hope it is minimal yeah i've seen this line of thinking sometimes by maybe people you'd call covid deniers or people who are on the bubble even like intellectuals honestly i've seen it on twitter who say like well i spent the past week or two weeks or month saying you know to hell with the precautions i was inside i did xyz and i didn't get covid and i wonder if there's like a similar sort of ignorance that might pop up the further we get in the process where the last people to get vaccinated will think, well, I made it all this time. I didn't get vaccinated and I didn't get COVID. Maybe I don't need to get it. Hopefully, yeah. hopefully that won't be the case. Yeah. I think it's something like a freeloader effect in economics mm-hmm. where um, there will always be some people who right. the rates are so low, the risk to them is very low. Um, they don't see the need. And, and that's why we'll probably end up in a place where we have you know several thousand deaths a week uh nationally or something like that or or many hundreds you know a lot of people and yet enough people will say well that's that's okay with me i I don't need to get vaccinated because that's so far below what it used to be that it feels safe Mm. and yeah that it's pretty crazy but that's what we do with other diseases you know you um you have 60 or 100,000 people dying, Americans dying of the flu every year, and they could, right. you know, we could all collectively drive that down with vaccination, but we, you know, 50% of the population says, yeah, it's not, you know, not concerning enough to me to walk into that CVS and get the free shot they're offering. Is it really 50%? Yeah. Wow. I was I was looking at, recent numbers past couple years numbers the other day and at least the thing something that i saw was that um in 2017 i think the number the percentage of adults you know 18 and older who got the flu vaccine was like 41 percent um which i mean just just to compare it to like what we need to do for the covid vaccine is like puts it in perspective like oh of course this has been an undertaking because we don't do this regularly Yeah, but I think at the same time, you also have this like cultural phenomenon of like people taking vaxies, like selfies with their vaccine. Like there, Mm -hmm. there is a, there is a hunger for this vaccine in a way. It's hot. It's the new vaccine on the block. It is hot. It is real hot. Hmm. Um, I wanted to ask you. Um, you say in the piece that you cite a few different doctors and epidemiologists that have plans uh to travel or have a summer bbq in their backyard um and i guess i mean both of those were very interesting to me but really after reading the article i was wondering what are your plans this summer james because you didn't include them um yeah i I plan to hang out you know i i I will get vaccinated as soon as i can Mm -hmm. Uh, which hopefully is in the spring and I will hang out with anyone else who's vaccinated Um, which in my world is I don't I don't think that I would you know come into contact like my friends and family will get vaccinated as well Um, I wouldn't go to huge gatherings of people where I don't know you know who might be vaccinated and, and who's not but I think that's the real key right now in terms of incentivizing people to get vaccinated is that if you can say if you are vaccinated you know it doesn't mean you can go do anything like just throw your mask away and do anything Mm -hmm. you want but it should mean that you can hang out with other vaccinated people 
mm-hmm. could go to a party if you know all 20 people there are vaccinated. You, you know, you hang out with family and friends. Just make sure everyone there is vaccinated. And that creates a sort of peer pressure incentive system, too, where, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's not government that's doing this. It's one another where you're mm-hmm. saying... As long as everyone's vaccinated, like come to my lake house this summer, <laughs> you know, and and that's where the risk should be so, so low that it's completely fine. And mm-hmm. I'm optimistic about that. And I don't th- I wouldn't have a problem, you know, telling my friends and family, um, you know, if you want to come to the Fourth of July thing, please just make sure you're vaccinated. Uh, and I hope that, you know, plays out widely because we know that vaccinated people we need to assume that vaccinated people can infect non-vaccinated people that you can Mm -hmm. carry the virus and spread it to unvaccinated people and and but but if both people are vaccinated you know um i think you're good interesting i wonder um obviously looking at this article you paint this like picture of summer that feels very different than what I feel um, inside, what I fear. <laughs> um, it it was so exciting. I sent it to all of my friends and family who I usually just send dystopian articles um, to. So it was a really, it, you really helped me uh, lighten the mood. Uh, I wonder <laughs> what you, what you think about just because you know you've been reporting on this for for a year i read your one of your first pieces was back in february of 2020 i believe about the the pandemic itself um or about coronavirus we've now been in this headspace for so long and i wonder if you've done any um at least preliminary research or inquiry into how we're actually going to psychologically like be able to transition into uh more normalcy or or even enjoy the summer fun that we could potentially be having i mean i i think it would be extremely enjoyable to know you know i'm vaccinated the people i'm here with are vaccinated and we are just have an amazing vacation together just just like normal like with no there should be no lingering doubt do you think that people Uh, will be able to actually do that though like psychologically i hope so i mean that's what i'm trying to get get at with this piece is you need something to pull you forward right if you tell people listen just indefinitely possibly forever i don't know you need to stay away from people and wear masks and not touch people and not get together and do don't do anything you know that's <laughs> just an ineffective message we yeah. need to focus on what are the highlights here how do you get to a place where you have something to look forward to um you know if there is an end point people tend to be much better at sticking with things uh, and if you, and if you just say it's it's indefinite, we never we have no idea. Uh, <laughs> that that's a recipe for some people just throwing up their hands and being like, well, you know what? I'm just gonna live my life then because I can't do this forever. Mm-hmm. You know, I know it's difficult, but that's part of the idea of frankly saying summer is looking really good. And I'm not saying the pandemic is over. I'm not saying it. You know, that doesn't it, that, that means no precautions at all in any situation. But it does mean we should be honest that, you know, you should look forward to that. One uh, one point of comparison that you use in the article and that uh, has kind of caught on, I think, culturally, as we've discussed, this is, of course, in relation to the 1918 flu pandemic, the uh, the roaring 20s. And there's this idea that in the United States, we're about to. <laughs> enter the roaring 20s and the rebuttal I've seen to that um, is people saying well remember what happened uh, right after the the roaring 20s and you point out in the piece that some things that happened after the roaring 20s is that the flu pandemic became the seasonal flu and then uh, fast forward 100 years we've gotten ourselves back into another major pandemic even though we had all this uh, this time of warning Um, so I'm I'm curious what you think and how, I guess, we can go about being cautiously optimistic that we don't get so excited that we uh, 
we end up sort of back in the same place where we started. Yeah, I think that it, it speaks to the idea of like, how do you channel your elation or your urge to celebrate or your mm-hmm. your your good feelings, right? Do you do that by just kind of getting together with friends and family and idly celebrating? Or do you, you know, I mean, which we should, yes, we should. But we shouldn't also just be like, well, that's it. We no longer need to worry about that. But you use that time to be like, wow, it's so nice that we, it's so amazing we got through that. What do we do to take that momentum and move it into thinking about how we uh, prevent this from ever happening again? You know, <laughs> um, don't don't just get, yeah. To, like I said before, the cycle of sort of complacency and panic, we don't just want to become... It, it, it's not over, you know, this threat, whether it's this virus or another lingers um, and looms over us and should inform in times of prosperity, how we're thinking about how we're preparing for the next time. Um, you know, it's like any summer where you have, you know, abundant food and light and warmth, you know, we should be preparing for the winter where we don't. <laughs> and, um, and I think we could make a lot of progress in that in that domain if if we don't become complacent. I wonder. So the idea of a um, jubilant <laughs> summer is that going to be followed by a terrifying fall or winter, or is the idea that this kind of normalcy that we begin to experience in the summer could actually extend into our fall and winter? So I don't think it'll be terrifying, but that's part of the problem. We could, so say cases continue to drop Mm -hmm. and then vaccination sort of plateaus because people no longer worry about this and vaccination is no longer, you know, the hot thing. Um, Then you could get to a point where next fall and winter, there's this sort of menacingly medium level of cases where we need we need to still tell everyone to wear masks and we need to still ask restaurants to stay at 25% capacity or something because mm. there's a you know um i the difficult question is where we draw that that threshold but i think that's going to be the much more difficult and divisive point is how we think about um what's acceptable and what's not because the virus will be around and people will be dying and and what is okay and what's not um it will be a lot easier if we have an amazing go of it and we say we just gave vaccines to as many people as possible and we got to 80 or 90 percent of the population and it was amazing and you know some people are still dying yes that is horrible but we've decided it's necessary to open society and to lift regulations um that will be much harder if it's like you know those numbers are are pretty high and a lot of people just didn't even get vaccinated and we're in this weird middle zone and it will be yeah that will be awful yeah (laughs) Um, it's sort of purgatory yeah great (laughs) let's hope that doesn't happen so um you wrote in the kind of back half of i i noticed the shift in the article right in the beginning it's very exciting very warm very summery we are feeling good vibes and then there's a shift to kind of the more cautious um piece of all of this and you brought in the global element the fact that this is a global pandemic and we can't control what happens in other countries unless we you know unless the united states and other kind of world leaders decide to help vaccinate and prioritize um countries that don't have access to the vaccine yet um and you used the comparison like talking about american teenagers vaccinating american teenagers versus vaccinating you know maybe uh vietnamese grandparents um 
what is the global element of this and what do you think based on your research should be our priority as a as a country i think that we've been very focused on thinking you know when do we have enough vaccinations for every single american to get vaccinated mm-hmm. and in fact biden has focused very clearly and very quickly on making sure that happens and ap- apparently he has negotiated and outbidded and made sure that we have that in very short order um it's just a very narrow understanding of the problem because if you continue to have the virus spreading especially if it's spreading widely in much of the world mm-hmm. you will have mutation and you will have variants and you may have variants that challenge the effectiveness of vaccines right. you know mm-hmm. that you could get to even if you got to an 80 or a 90% vaccination rate in the US that if the virus is still spreading widely in many many places suddenly those vaccines could be rendered irrelevant or you know not likely totally irrelevant but enough that you can't really feel totally safe um and so i don't have an answer to this exactly as to how we should do it but that we need to think about globally driving transmission rates down and eradicating the virus as effectively as possible so that there are fewer variants so that um, everyone can rest easier more quickly. And I, I know that the answer is not to think about let's get to 100% of the U.S. population and then think about yeah. the rest of the world. It is to think about a global population, especially with a virus like this, where you have clearly, you know, there are clear populations where you could prevent transmission and save tons of lives and you know making sure that happens and ramping up the uh, the manufacturing and distribution which could be done with global collaboration a lot of the shortage we're seeing is is artificial um, I don't know how much of this is actually possible versus like totally theoretical but there's a lot of room to grow in terms of seeing ourselves as a global community in this moment and i think that would help us prepare for future pandemics as well it's uh it's it's been a little hard honestly to follow with all the different announcements of we got this many more doses or uh, this many more doses are a month early or whatever are we at this point hoarding vaccines i mean is it is it by you saying you know so we we've it sounds like we have enough for everyone in America coming. Do we have more than enough coming at this point? Is that kind of what's going on? Um, it depends on how you want to define hoarding, you know, whether there should be healthy young adults with no chronic conditions getting vaccines in the, in the U.S. before elderly people with a very high risk in other countries or healthcare workers in mm-hmm. other countries. Um, that is hard to countenance. Mm-hmm. Um, I understand, of course, you know, leaders of countries have an obligation to, to their, their own citizens. I don't, you know, we can't dance around that. That's obvious. But it's one of those difficult questions we will face as to at what point do you give away or you know donate some vaccines to that would clearly save uh be be much much more likely to save lives if given to these high-risk people um than if you kept them domestically because Mm. this is not a virus this is not an equal opportunity virus this is something where if you're 22 and healthy and you get it you are almost certain to be totally fine and yeah. if you are 75 and in bad shape and you get it, uh, that's extremely concerning. Mm-hmm. So, this yeah. is, you know, so we have to you have to think about kind of what's base, what are baseline levels of risk and, and, and who do we need to uh, prioritize globally? Yeah, <laughs> you touched on a uh, I think a 
hot button topic for Jamie and I being young people with chronic uh, pre-existing conditions and Mm -hmm. being highly susceptible or immunocompromised. Uh, So the ways in which uh, things impact our peers are not obviously the same that they would potentially impact us. We could be that that one number that uh, doesn't go the right way uh, if we were to get the virus, which is the reason that this is a 50% vaccinated podcast now we're very (laughs) proud of that we think we're probably one of the most vaccinated podcasts um we can't we can't fact check that but we can't (laughs) fact check that we we are willing to we're willing willing to to bet yes um so i guess um i wonder like kind of just going back to a year ago right when all of this started um you again like i said you have this piece that came out in february of 2020 um you will likely get the coronavirus i believe it's titled um looking back on your year reporting on this topic what has surprised you the most and were you on the nose with your reporting from the very beginning Um, it was pretty much right. I don't, mm, it surprised me how we actually made a vaccine happen in a year and how quickly that's ramping up within the United States. That's surprising. Um, but I did put in that story that the vaccine would probably be, would take at least 12 to 18 months to prove safe and effective. I mean, we got emergency authorization sooner than that, which um, is that it's probably safe and effective, and it does seem to be, but I think (laughs) that was pretty right on. Um, And I think it will become endemic, which was in that article. And I I think we're within the realm of 40 to 70% of people having it, which was the projection at the time. Um, Maybe the case fatality rate was a little higher we didn't appreciate quite how many asymptomatic cases there were back then um and and i didn't imagine i guess that any administration could be so negligent as the one we saw i think that's what really broke everyone's model like every public health model of a pandemic assumes you have an administration that you know, it may be inept, it may be underfunded, you know, it may be bad at its job, but what? But but it's not going to actively try to deny the thing is happening and try to expel people who acknowledge that it's happening. And and that's what really set us back further than I, I think anyone anyone could have predicted who has tried to model pandemics. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember seeing. Uh, multiple articles in the sort of flurry of early reporting once it became clear that it was really an epidemic or a pandemic here um, where like you said modelers were going on the record and saying well I'm you know I model uh, disasters like this all the time and X thing that the administration just did is literally something you would never think to put in the model Um, yeah and uh, yeah it's yeah, it's like a a fire drill where you have, you know, they model like, where do you go when the fire alarm is sounded? You don't model like, what if someone tries to reverse the fire alarm and <laughs> announce that everything is fine and you should go back to your rooms? <laughs> and pour uh, a bunch of That's uh, not part of the fire the drill. Like, yeah. that's not, <laughs> no one anticipates that will happen. Right. Yeah. 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 Right. Wow. Um when you were writing back then um a year ago uh and you had these big predictions that you know 40 to 70 percent of us would get it that it would take you know at least 12 to 18 months to prove the vaccination safe and effective um were what was the reception of that piece because i feel like that was really early um to be kind of I mean, it was before I changed my life and I changed my life pretty quickly. Um, What was the reception? Were people, were your family and friends like, James, what are you talking about? What's coronavirus? Like, why do we need to care? Yeah. I think there was a sort of like, 
what do we do with this? Because、mm-hmm. it sounds mostly pretty right, but it can't be right.、Um, right. And and that's what I heard. Like a weird in my own life, in my own circles, people being like that. That was really smart. I really appreciate that. Thank you. But also, still going out, not doing anything different.、Um, and there was a place where we knew it was intellectually possible that this was、mm-hmm. true, but、mm-hmm. n- not personally actual, actionable.、Yeah. Like,、um, and I even even I, you know, I the like the weekend after that, I it was the last time I I went out to dinner, and I remember. I just felt very weird, and it was still so theoretical in my head that I did it. But I also was just like, yeah, I've described it as like the opening scenes of Jurassic Park, where you're looking around, being like, "This can't be, this can't go well." Right.、Mm. But right. But everything's contained for now, so I might as well keep writing along.、Um, <laughs> And and yeah, and, and I did feel totally. I some. I mean, I was partly made to feel paranoid. People were telling me like that I was paranoid, so、uh, I I didn't.、Uh, it was a weird time. Yeah. So more than a year out now, I guess, from starting that, you you've basically only reported on、uh, COVID. Is I mean,、uh, for the most part. What are you looking forward to、uh, reporting about next? Are you are you looking forward to not writing another COVID story at some point? I just can't even imagine right now. Like my whole life and brain have been reoriented around this problem, and I don't know. I uh, I haven't thought beyond it, honestly. That's fair. Totally makes sense. <laughs> But I would love to think about something else. Honestly, I I, I know I would. It'll be good. I don't think, I don't know what I'll do after it's over, but I, I just keep focusing on the next issue, and then then there's another one, and then there's another one, and、uh, mm-hmm. I'll keep that up. And then when it's done, and I'm not useful anymore, I'll think about another way that I can be. I would offer that one of the potential, maybe best metrics of when we'll know that COVID is really behind us <laughs> in the U.S. is reporters like you not having to write about it anymore. Yeah,、Hopefully. when we don't see any、I、more、hope. James Hamblin Atlantic <laughs> COVID pieces, we will know. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I mean, the problem is it's not going to be behind us. It'll be something that kills thousands of people every year,、mm-hmm. and we become okay with it.、Mm-hmm. Y- you know, just like the flu, like so many things. You know,、mm-hmm. um, we're. I don't know how we're going to decide that, but we're probably not even going to. Like, there's people say pandemics end. You know, there's no declaration. Oh, it's over. Right.、Um, right. It ends Obviously, with、yeah. it ends with a whimper. It ends with a fade out where people just gradually stop caring and decide we've done enough. And like so many problems, there will still be tons of people who are like, "No, ten、uh, thousand people dying a year is not okay." Mm. And how can you argue that they're not right? Right. But what else do you do?、Uh, you know,、um, it's going to be really tough and and divisive. Becomes... And that's why I, f- I think for some people the pandemic will not ever end. Like people will, there will be people who continue to wear masks and who feel who just do not ever feel comfortable again gathering with strangers. And、uh, there will be people who very quickly and already have、yeah. go back to you know. Really risky stuff. Sorry,、yeah. you can probably hear Moses. He's outside. <laughs> nice.、Really、I'm glad you have Moses in this time. <laughs> yeah.、Um, yeah. I mean, I guess it becomes a competitive problem, right? Like a problem that has to compete with all of the other medical problems in our country that have to, you know, vie for our public attention in some way.、Um, although this one will have originated from a, you know. Kind of the the in the in the biggest way possible, like the biggest PR example for COVID to be the problem that stays on everyone's minds long after this is is already existing. So、mm-hmm. it is interesting.、Um, 
I, mm-hmm. I do I do wonder what that will what that will look like. But I guess, you know, the seasonal flu is maybe our most comparable example. Um, yeah. I, know we I mean, that's this, what but. and that was back also in the February piece. I mean, I'm not sure that I've added a lot since that February piece last year because it, it said that, that this could become such that cold and the flu season becomes cold and flu and COVID-19 season. Mm-hmm. And that seems to be the direction we're headed that is there anything we accept that could, these things. Is there anything that could yeah. stop that? I mean, I keep hearing people say yeah. doctors hedging on whether or not that's our future. I mean, I don't even know. I don't have an idea of what it is that would that prevents that. You know, people keep hedging and, and uh, I respect that because it's what scientists are told to do, but it creates an uncertainty. That's what I was seeing, you know, this time last year is that like everyone is hedging because they, I don't know, they're afraid to be wrong or they don't have a hundred percent proof. I just need to be the one who says, like calls out what's happening and you, yeah, you could be wrong. Um, But at some point someone needs to stop being like, well, it seems quite possible or, you know, uh, so what could stop this right now is vaccination and um, it seems there are probably too many forces culturally and politically dividing us to make that um, a reality that we could really eradicate it with vaccination but we could we have the tool mm-hmm. you know it, it's not impossible and we know what the answer is so um, that's another place where it's weird people are hedging as if it's an inevitability it's not um you know in the same way that we we treat things like gun violence or climate change as inevitable right. um yeah if you bake in the current political system or whatever then yeah it might be but if you want to actually think of ways to solve the problem like <laughs> we have way to, we have we Throughout this pandemic, we've had ways to stop it. If at any point we wanted to have the entire population behave, truly behave as though they, you know, were contagious and could infect another person and needed to not do that, it, there's nothing physically stopping us. What's stopping us is whatever drives people to continue to be in prolonged close contact with other people. Right. Damn. Well, I just wish that we could control everyone and make them all take the vaccine. <laughs> well, Unfortunately, we can't. Too, yeah. <laughs> no, no, I know it is. No, very I, much so. I, like there are super interesting questions here about you know autonomy and person and medical Definitely. choice and everything and yes and and uh, a lot of it's a rich area. I'm I'm not at all proposing you know medical dictatorship no no. it's like how do you how do you create a world where people just understand this is you gotta you gotta care about other people and do this and it's not about you you know yeah it's about other it's about your community you get your vaccine because in the same way you don't you don't run red lights you know right um yeah it's just we need to operate together on this yeah um, yeah. I think it's really hard to uh, fix that once we've kind of gotten off on a divided foot um, at the very beginning. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see if if anyone can really kind of hack that division. Um, <laughs> well, uh, I I don't think I have any more questions, Jamie. Do you? I just wanted to one final sort of happy okay. one. We sort of asked this earlier, but. Uh, once your circle is vaccinated, if that happens in the summer and you are, you know, doing cautious uh, activities with other vaccinated people, what's the thing you're most looking forward to doing? I mean, I should say that I, I don't think we need to be cautious. Like, we can be normal. I, th- that's what should drive people to be vaccinated. I think there will be vaccine-hesitant people who are sort of at the... F- 
but their social circle is getting vaccinated and that will incentivize them to do it. I don't think like government messaging, I don't think me or scientists or anyone telling right. people they need to get vaccinated will do it as effectively as peer pressure. Yeah. Or just peer sentiment of like my mm -hmm. best friends have done it. And, and they say, if I want to come to this party that I should do it and I'm on the fence, but okay. I mean, you're not going to get rabid anti-vax people to do that, but you're going to get the, right. you know, the vast majority of people who don't get vaccinated are, don't have strong feelings. They're just kind of like apathetic. agnostic or right. apathetic. Yeah. Right. That's what we need to overcome, you know? And I don't think we need to target any messaging toward people who believe that Bill Gates is inserting a tracking device. Like those people are gone. Right. Yeah. Um, but they're a very small minority. The vast majority is like, uh, maybe I'll do it next week. Uh, I don't know. I'm not sure. I heard it might give you headaches. Um, and then, but if you say like, no, you can hang out with all your friends and family as soon as everyone is vaccinated, that will, that will drive people to, you know, just, just push the undecided people over the edge. And so then, yeah, that's why you got to say like, no, you don't have to, like just, you can be completely yourselves. Mm -hmm. Life can be normal between you. You shouldn't all go out to a restaurant together and pretend like that, but you can, you know, in a private gathering decide just we're done with the pandemic. Our personal pandemic is over, over. at least, you know, for now, for tonight. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I'm going to have a party oh. and put up the uh, George Bush mission accomplished banner on yeah, my wall. <laughs> do it. You know, like we honestly, that's the thing is we need to celebrate. You can't be like, yes. okay, it's over for us, but what about, you know, X, Y, Z at some point you need, you need to reward yourself and feel accomplished and feel good for all that we've sacrificed over the past year of our lives. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, thank you for writing the article because now I feel like I have more permission than I felt <laughs> even before. So yeah, I we think really appreciate Good. I think we're you, in the uh, bubble of people who are extra cautious because of our situations. And we, I know. I think yeah. we sure. felt, I, I took a, a sigh of relief, a, you know, a deep breath when I read that. So. Well, if James says it, it, it must, you can do it. It <laughs> must be it. true. Yeah. It must be true. No, you know, the, the lesson of this pandemic is just like question the experts, ask them why mm -hmm. they believe what they believe. If someone is telling you like, I don't think the coronavirus is that big a deal or I don't think it's going to hit the U.S. that hard. You got to just be like, why? Like, why right. would it stop? Why would it not spread here? Why? Mm -hmm. Tell me. Tell me your reasoning. Right. And if more people had done that, I think we would have very quickly been like, yeah, yeah it's going to come here and spread widely too. Yeah. Yeah. Question yeah. yeah. Definitely. Well, uh, <laughs> we don't want to take any more of your time. We really yeah, appreciate you, so much. Uh, you joining us. Oh, yeah, us. no, I've enjoyed speaking with you. Thank you. Harder, better, faster, stronger. That, that, that don't kill me can only make me stronger